Hello again and welcome back to the Driving You Crazy podcast brought to you by us and by us and only us. For now, only us. is This is how it's brought to you by us because we have no other us to bring it to you by. It's all about us. It is all about us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am the traffic anchor for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. And I'm Denver 7's very own pedestrian advocate, Joseph Peters. Uh, more trucks blocking pl- bike lanes this week, Jason. Oh man, that is a big story. We did a story about that. On the old Denver 7 News channel, didn't we? Mm-hmm, and it just keeps on happening, and nobody's doing a thing about it. So I'll keep bringing it up in the opening segment until somebody does something about it. It looks like that'll be a reoccurring theme for the next 30 years. Can't wait. Uh, here now is the official Driving You Crazy podcast, Strange Story of the Week. I do not have a sounder. I do not have a uh, a special announcement, We're a jingle, anything like that, to uh, give you to designate that this is the strange story of the week. A motorcyclist involved in a crash in east-central Florida was shot by his own gun. The motorcyclist had a gun in his hip when the bike crashed, and it shot him in the side. He was taken to the hospital and is expected to be just fine. Both the driver and passenger on the bike were being safe, though, because they were wearing helmets. Terrible. There you have it. Only in Florida. Only in Florida is about right. Mm-hmm. Only in Florida. There's a lot of Florida stories I could do only in Florida, but we're not just an only in Florida kind of podcast. Correct. We're only- an all over the world podcast. We're huge in the UK. Shout out to our friends in the UK. From time to time, there are people, Joseph, usually political groups and around election time, who like to make political statements. They like to make political messages. They uh, like to make signs. They love signs. Signs, signs, everywhere a sign. Blocking up the scenery. Uh, anyway, uh, and uh, they, they like to hang it here around here from freeway overpasses. Now, uh, maybe there are people who, who do this in your town, wherever you live in, in the United States or around the world. Maybe they like to do this, too, in your town. But here in Denver, it happens mostly over our Interstate 25. That's the main north-south road here through uh, Denver. They like to do it in downtown, but there's also who, who people who do it in other spots around Metro Denver. Mm-hmm. Well, we had a group the other day hang up a political sign on the Knox Court Bridge. It's over the 6th Avenue Freeway, just on the west side of downtown Denver. And the message was, well, not so sweet. No, sir. Uh, it said, come home, white man. And it had a website address on the bottom that directed you to a group of Aryan Nation supporters who call themselves the Northwest Front. So that's like a political organization of Aryan men and women who recognize that an independent and sovereign white nation, these are their words, in the Pacific Northwest is the only possibility for the survival of the white race on this continent. So basically they're saying white people should move to Washington and Oregon and Idaho and let's secede from the country. So they they want everybody just to keep on driving west? Is Maybe yes. that's why they hung it up for the westbounders on 6th Avenue, so they could keep going west, join Interstate I-70, and um, and then make their way up to up to uh, the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's political speech, no matter what. And, like, I always support people's right to free speech, but that doesn't mean this isn't gross and, yeah. like, not something we want on our interstates in Colorado. And you know what stunned me first when I was looking at their website? What were the pictures? So you, you know how some websites have these generic pictures of a woman? Like, when you, when you go to some uh, business one, there's, like, a picture of a woman with a telephone headset on her. And you know that's not a real employee of that business. It's right. just one of those generic ones. Well, they have pictures uh, similar to that on their on their website, 
Uh, these nice-looking, seemingly middle-class suburban families all smiling for a family picture on a site that's that's full of hate. I would be stunned if those were actually real families who supported the Aryan Nation. There's there's a grandma, like in one of those pictures, there's a grandma and grandpa. They're standing there with their daughter and son-in-law and their t- couple of grandkids who look like they really do well in school, all well-adjusted, a nice white family just mm-hmm. standing there. Um, and, and they wouldn't cause any trouble. I would really like to know if, if the picture of any of those those people in that picture have any idea their picture is being used in that way. I mean, it's disturbing if they do. It's disturbing if they don't, right? Yeah, I would think so. But But as far as the sign on the highway goes, now the Denver police came out for that sign and they took it down. As I understand the law, if you want to hold a sign over the highway or in front of a roadway or whatever you want to do, as long as you're holding it, and you're uh, on a public street or public sidewalk, whatever the case may be, you're exercising your First Amendment right. But the sign must be held up by a person or people, and those people can then just stand there and and, and hold it up for as long as they want to hold it up. Mm -hmm. But once you attach it to something, a building or a bridge in this case, where they tied it to the fencing, um, that hangs uh, on the bridge there to keep people from throwing things over the bridge and down onto the pavement. Um, that is where it became illegal. Hello. <laughs> why? Why do we do this all the time? Well, because I need to use the audio booth, and you two boys are in here taking it. How are you? What's, what's on the podcast today? Uh, we were just talking about the uh, Aryan Nation mm-hmm. and hanging up a road sign. Over top of Sixth Avenue, there at Knox Court. Okay. Yeah, kind of grim. Real, Little grim. Real, I don't. I don't want to talk about that. No. What do you want to talk about? I don't know. Shoes or purses? Bad. <laughs> Does that go along with the podcast? No, it doesn't. You're All right. Go, you're gonna have to leave. All right. I'm out of here. Lisa Hidalgo out. Peace. Purse podcast coming coming soon. <laughs> yeah. No. Never. <laughs> She's not dedicated enough to do a podcast. Maybe if it was about purses, she would be. Maybe. You know what? Here's the thing. You would just turn the microphone on, and she'd be good for about three minutes, and then and that would be it. It would be like a three-minute podcast with Lisa Hidalgo. <laughs> Basically, that's really Lisa what it would Hidalgo be. Lisa Hidalgo on demand. <laughs> so I saw a press release the other day from this company called Travel Safely, and it's an app that uses this connected traffic signals. We've talked about these connected traffic signals in the past. And they alert you basically on your phone where, or in your car, if your car has this connected acti- um, uh, software in it, mm-hmm. uh, when the traffic light is about to change. We talked about this with Audi. They were really pioneers in this technology. Right. Where it'll turn, t- the light will turn green. Yep. You know when you're driving, the light's turning green. Or, well, in this case, uh, this, uh, this app, what they'll do is that not only they'll tell you that, but they'll tell you if you're speeding in a school zone or there are pedestrians crossing the road ahead. And the app was demonstrated at one traffic light here in the Denver suburb of Broomfield last week. And the company says the app utilizes audible warnings to alert you to potentially dangerous road conditions by utilizing spoken alerts. Travel Safely says that they allow you to focus on the road and receive alerts while using your favorite mapping app. It's free. Doesn't cost anything. Mm -hmm. So I made a little clip of some of the warnings it gives, and I edited this from their website so you can hear what it sounds like. Get ready for green. Red light. Proximity alert pedestrian. 
the beauty about using this technology, it's a, it's a cell phone that using a downloaded free app that gives me the information to, hey, get ready for green. If I was using Waze as a navigational tool get or um, some other thing was kind of popping up on my phone or I was using my phone for music or Spotify or any one of the, the app applications, I'm still going to get those message sets as I go through the, the intersections or approach the technologies that happen to be equipped with our systems. And if you happen to be driving through that active school zone while it's flashing and you exceed the speed limit while you're in that zone, Speeding in school zone. Now, for privacy nuts, obviously your GPS has to be on, and the app will track you as you drive past these smart signals. And here are some of the alerts it has. I want you to comment on some of these alerts. Okay. Get ready for green. We heard that one. Get ready for green. At a red light, the app will display the countdown and verbally notify you when the light is about to turn green. I feel like this is a great app for people who like to play on their phones, like on Facebook, at traffic lights, because now you're getting a countdown like, hey, get off your phone, you have to drive again. Yes. We talked a lot about that um, in the studio mm -hmm. um, after we watched this story air. Yes. Uh, red light warning. The app will notify you if it appears that you're about to run a red light. I don't need that. I don't need that reminder. No, because like you're, you're probably watching the road. Right. I'm very cognizant that I'm running the red light. Thank you very much. Don't <laughs> remind me. <laughs> don't tell me I'm breaking the law. I see that all the time, including Miss Hidalgo here and some other jackball. When I'm driving on I-25, I'm getting off there at the Lincoln Street exit. And inevitably, there's a traffic light right there where Lincoln Street goes north it splits from broadway goes north right there at ohio and there's a traffic light there it only stops the traffic coming really off of i-25 to go north on lincoln it allows the broadway traffic to go on north on lincoln and, and, and at three o'clock in the morning there's no traffic there it's Correct. just us you just use it as a stop sign pretty much yep so i i will either st i'll stop there and i know how the lights are timed or i'll make the left right there at ohio and they make a quick right uh, at that next other traffic light and then off i go and so i'm, I'm kind of doing it legally mm -hmm. well hidalgo and this other person zing right past it at 35 or 40 miles an hour <laughs> they just blow right through it don't and here's here's her re rationale i should have asked her the rationale is well, I, I was I was at that stoplight sometime. Well, I guess she doesn't. I was at the stoplight sometime, and um, she and there was some dumb guy, scary guy there, and it um, it scared me, and I'm not going to stop at that stoplight anymore. But she will stop up at the one in Alameda, mm. maybe because she hasn't seen anybody who is scary trying to get close to her car. Right, because scary guys generally stay in one place for all of time. Because she is convinced that there is somebody lurking, ready to get into the back of her car. Ugh. At any moment. Ugh. she That's all she's worried about. She's always worried about being attacked, whether she's walking around the building, running around the building, whatever the case may be. She's always she's going to the Avalanche game tonight. She's going to come back here to the building and try to get maybe four hours of sleep. And she said that she's worried about somebody lurking in the basement going to get her while she's sleeping in the basement. God, I hope not. This is a secure building. Yes. Yes, it is. And it's in the basement where probably no predator i think would just kind of hang out looking for a woman who might be sleeping on the gross couch in the basement i don't know man have you been in the carpentry shop oh that is a cool place it's a creepy place it is creepy and i think that's exactly where uh friday the 13th would be right yes freddy krueger 100 percent. all right back to the uh back to this app uh the uh, school zone warning 
The app will notify you if you're speeding in an active school zone. The work zone warning, the app will also notify you if you're speeding in an active work zone and show you the speed limit. I I mean, we always know when we've entered a work zone, right? Yeah, I would think so. You generally know. Um, I, I just find that frustrating because then you like find yourself going on for miles and miles in this non-cone cone zone, wondering why the speed limit's been dropped by 10 miles per hour. Just to give you tickets. Precisely. Curve warning. The app will warn you if you're traveling too fast with dangerous curves approaching. Slow speed zone warning. The app will warn you if you're traveling too fast in an area of increased accidents. Doesn't that seem a little unnecessary? Is that like a weather warning? Well, and I know. How do they get that data? Mm-hmm. Are they get are they well, scouring police departments? Think of how many people they're tracking. Exactly, maybe that's the case. So they also have cyclist ahead warning and pedestrian ahead warning. So if you're a motorist, the app will warn you if there's a cyclist or a pedestrian on the road ahead. I want to know how they know that. That's probably a mo like I, I I view this company as a cover for producing technology that eventually guides automated vehicles. Right, because you're testing out some of the early assets, uh, aspects of that design, and then later on you'll implement them more fully into your software package. And I want to know if the person that's either on the bike or just walking needs to have the app also on and running, and or they just are tracking you on your phone to know that there is a instead of just knowing there's a pedestrian or a cyclist, at least the uh, the tracking software knows because when you when you allow when you when you sign up with Google Maps you're you're basically saying yeah you can track me so I can use your app. So I'm sure more of that's going to be happening with these connected cars and connected people and connected whatever's. Right. So everybody is going to probably have to be connected for for that program to work. I mean we are already all connected pretty much. And then it's going to know everywhere you go yep. even to bad places of ill repute. Uh, this is really what I want to know. How does it know when emergency vehicle warning? The app notifies of motorists and cyclists if an emergency vehicle is approaching and from what direction. How about rear-end collision warning? The app notifies you if it appears that you're about to have a rear-end collision. Again, that's one that I don't, I don't need the reminder. Like I've been in enough near fender benders to not want an app also screaming at me while I'm screeching on my brakes in a near fender bender. And but don't you know that it has to be more than just GPS because usually the GPS lags a little bit. Don't you think that has to be some kind of a sensory um, communication between two vehicles or in this case two phones for rear that knows they're getting so close together? For rear ending a vehicle, you would think so. Yeah, I mean, like you you can't really get that close with GPS technology. Right. But at the same time, you also can't imagine how these phones are having a one to one conversation that would be faster than GPS technology. Right. Vehicle approaching crosswalk. If you're a pedestrian, the app will tell you if a speeding car is approaching while you're in the crosswalk. Well, maybe at that point you're too late. And a vehicle approaching cyclist. The app will tell cyclists if speeding cars will pass close by. All, again, very creepy, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, more than a little bit. I, I don't know where they get the information from bike riders or pedestrians unless it's scraping it from your phone all the time, even when the app is not running, or when you don't even have the app, I guess. I signed up for the beta test, so we'll see if I get picked up. Right now, it's mostly around Atlanta, the suburb of uh, Marietta, uh, downtown Atlanta, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Those are some of the first cities to have this beta test. There's others being added all the time, including Denver. Obviously, we have that one intersection up there in Broomfield. 
But the talk around the studio, really, when we did the story, was centered around that fact that the app might be a way for already distracted drivers to be lazy, even more lazy than they already are, and just stare at their phone when they're waiting at a traffic light because the app is going to tell them when the light changes to green. I mean, that's, that's the biggest that's problem right now is exactly. that you see people flipping on their phone and then all of a sudden the light turns green and then for the next five seconds you're waiting for him to go, waiting for to go, you have to honk your horn and off you go. I mean, at least this this saves you the trouble of having to honk at these people to stop looking at their phone. It's true. My it's- first thought was that it could help with knowing when the timed lights in, like like Denver, we have lights that are, for, for the most part, pretty much well timed out. Yes. So it keeps traffic flowing. They do that in a lot of cities. So uh, it'll it'll tell you when the when the light's green, so you're coming up to it, so maybe you can keep the better constant traffic flow. I mean, I already do that by watching either when the pedestrian walk sign signals, when, when they're changing. That's pretty much how I time the lights as I'm making my way into work right along Lincoln Street. My, my, my beloved wife has not figured out that trick yet. No. So I'm sitting in the passenger seat watching the light, and she just reached right up to it. Stop abruptly. It's like you could have known. I see that all the time too. And I'm I, I have my nice pace going and then here's some jackball right to my left, speeding up to the light, then st- having to stop, and then I just blow right by him and then he speeds past me, stops to the next light, I smoothly go by them. <laughs> and it's a re- reoccur you would think that after the third or fourth time they would uh, maybe learn to drive as I'm driving. I want to hear from the stop-start drivers. Like, what? what is your rationale? Why are you doing it this way? Because they're impatient or they just don't care or they're just not paying attention. Yeah. I think one of the two. So I've done stories here uh, with our uh, toll authority. It's called E-470, and it's a toll road out to the east side of Metro Denver. And, and I, I've had done a bunch of stories about how they go about collecting unpaid tolls. It's a big topic around here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they send out notices and if you don't pay, and then they send out more notices, and eventually they start issuing huge fines and, and fees if the driver never pays. And then they can uh, eventually, if you don't pay the toll and the fines and the fees, they can deny you a new registration when you go to try to register your car with the state until that fine and that toll is all all paid. That seems extreme to some, but... What if this scenario played out, that if you don't pay a toll, instead of being fined and fined and fined and you can't register your car, what if instead you're convicted of a felony? That is, that, that's raising the uh, stakes a little bit. This is um, happening in Pennsylvania, where the state's Turnpike Commission has now begun to file criminal charges against some motorists it deems egregious scoff laws egregious is the key word there right like they're not talking about oh you accidentally jumped in the toll lane once now you're getting popped with a fine for it we're talking about people who are doing this all the time and probably only getting caught about 20 percent of the time and yet they're getting caught often enough to be called egregious offenders those people deserve to be charged with felonies like stop using roads that you're not entitled to even worse there are egregious scoff laws scoff laws now this th- this recent uh, initiative Involves enlisting local prosecutors to pursue criminal cases for theft of services, which reaches felony status when the sum owed exceeds $2,000. Now, Pennsylvania's top 100 toll evaders each have more than $21,000 in unpaid tolls and fees. That is a remarkable number. Isn't that huge? (laughs) One woman had a criminal complaint filed against her for having 
1,645 violations between early 2012 and March of 2017, so basically over five years. It says she received 6,580 notices in that time, all of them ignored. All the unpaid tolls account for about $26,000 of her roughly, get this, $92,000 balance owed. So she had $26,000 of of stolen tolls, basically. But with the fines and the fees and the penalties, it got up to $92,000. Do you know how hard it is to rack up $26,000 in unpaid tolls? That's a lot of tolls. That, ugh. Now, the heightened focus on collecting unpaid tolls is really linked to the move by most toll operators to remove the old man toll booths like they did here in Denver and replace them with these electronic tolling stations. In such cashless systems, the transponders like the EasyPass device, they provide instant payment. For a car without a transponder, the camera that's mounted there takes a picture of your license plate, and then you get a bill in the mail, or you can pay it online, however you want to do it. The only toll I uh, people that I know that still actually man a booth is there on the Florida Turnpike around Orlando. There might be others around the country, but that's, that's the one I, I know of. I think the one in New Hampshire coming from Massachusetts is still manned. And maybe the bridge. Uh, there's a couple of bridges down by Fort Myers okay. that I think they, they have people out there, too. Anyway, tolling authorities say cashless tolling reduces congestion because drivers don't need to slow down. But without a forced mechanism to stop people, the risk of toll violation rises. So other toll agencies around the U.S. are also changing their laws to make sure that drivers pay up. Florida's Turnpike Express does what Colorado does and prevents a driver from renewing their Florida driver's license plate uh, until all the tolls are paid. The Illinois Tollway, they publish a quarterly list of super scoff laws who owe at least $1,000. How did we manage to use the word scofflaw twice in a podcast? Isn't that great? That is remarkable. Uh, a recent version had 469 names on that one, including many trucking firms with the top violator allegedly in the hole for $890,000 in tolls and fines. How is that possible? Almost a million dollars. How is that possible? Those are all <laughs> fines. Like yeah. Those cannot be all unpaid tolls. No, I mean, most of it is fines, uh, but yeah, some of it is tolls, but still... That's a ton of dough. In New York City, their Metropolitan Transportation Authority, their Bridge and Tunnel Police, they uh, and the New York State Police, they use license plate readers to identify and stop vehicles whose registrations have been suspended because of persistent toll violations. Police will give the driver a summons and then impound the car. They'll just take your car away from you if you're not paying your toll. They'll even arrest the toll evader who have a large enough toll debt. That is so mafia, right? The idea that they'll just take your car until you pay them money to for, to use their roads? It is in New York. Good Lord. They, they that, That's the way they do wow. it in New York. At least they don't shoot you on sight. They don't give you the old sunny treatment like in The Godfather. I mean, are they going to tie some concrete around your legs and throw you over the bridge? I don't know. Oh. Take the gun. Oh, leave the gun. Keep the cannoli. Yes. Correct. Well, it's it's uh, it's a problem. Obviously, these toll authorities have, and they they want their money, just like everybody. I want my what was the movie that you you won't know this one, where the guy it was a skiing movie. I think Jason Bateman was in it. Kid was always yelling, "I want my two dollars! I want my two dollars!" Somebody on the podcast is screaming at his phone right now. 
yelling the name of the movie. I know Cuba Gooding Jr. and Jerry Maguire saying, show me the money. <laughs> hey, it's a movie you've seen. There Amazing. We go. Well, coming up, you'll be stunned about how many drivers are superstitious and how it affects the way they drive. All that and so much more as the Driving You Crazy podcast continues. Megan Lopez, and you are listening to the Driving You Crazy podcast with Jason Luber. Molly, why should people watch the Denver 7 morning show? I don't know. (laughs) Because we have a lot of fun in the mornings. We've got a great group of of, uh, co-workers that we all work with. We all get along. There's great energy. Of course, they're, you know, we're on top of your breaking news and your weather and your traffic, but I don't think that that's what makes the morning show so great. I think that it's the people that I work with, they're all fun. You know, we're a little crazy. You have to be a little crazy to get up at 2.30 in the morning and come into work and, and look alive on TV. Molly Hendrickson, only on Denver 7. If you haven't watched, you're missing a great uh, team of people and some great joking and laughing uh, and uh, some fun. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you're missing some really fun exchanges uh, between a lot of the people on the show. Uh, they have a lot of fun. We all have a lot of fun. And, uh, and, and if you're not watching, you're missing all of it. Nicole Brady, only on Denver 7. TVPN na cena, morou? Junto com meu parceiro Renato Fabri. Ei, ô Mickey, a coisa aqui tá feia. Milhões de descontentes estão pagando de careta por conta da transição que foi feita. Mal feita, né? Welcome back to the world famous Driving You Crazy podcast, where we love transportation even more than butter on toast. Or jam. I'm a jam person. What flavor of jam? Any of the jams. Any of the jams? Any of the jams. All the jams. You know what's difficult is when you go to the Cracker Barrel and there's four different jams and you have to choose which jam you're going to go with. I always start with the blackberry. Okay. Blackberry has got to be number one of the jams. Wise decision. I think grape is the best. I I, I think grape jam is number one. Strawberry would have to be number two. Okay. Never orange marmalade. No. That's way down on the list. I, I, I think I would rather just have plain white Elwood dry toast. Blues Brother Elwood, Dry Toast. The, the Larry Bird, if you will. <laughs> the Larry Bird. Well, people all across San Diego are breaking the law to ease parking problems in congested neighborhoods. They're either painting over the red curbs to add spaces, or they're adding red paint to the curbs near their driveways to keep people from blocking them in. Either way, it's illegal, and the city of San Diego is getting hundreds of complaints each year about this problem. City officials say it's most common in neighborhoods where the population is dense and parking spots are at a premium. City officials say it's tough to enforce because it's hard to prove who painted the curb. There were 222 complaints of this last year. There has already been more than a couple dozen this year. That's something exactly I would do. That is something that I could see happening in downtown Denver. I would do this. Yes. I've already thought about doing stuff like this. Of course you have. Why wouldn't I? (laughs) I don't get, uh, you know, that's my problem, is that 
If 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 there was a, I, I just, I'm a problem solver. Yes, a fixer, if you will. Even though it might not be totally legal, and when you have somebody that's parking really close to the edge of your driveway, most people hate it. Those people in San Diego obviously hate it. Mm-hmm. Well, someone did that to me the other day. It was really frustrating. It, 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 they can park in front of my house. I still don't like it, especially when they park right next to my driveway. How often does that happen? I didn't think you live near enough. Like I don't. Well, so the so the neighbors next door they have this uh, teenage kid, and so he has his friends show up, and then they park in front of the house. And and you know what? And and one side of my driveway is a fire a fire ho fire deal. Mm-hmm. The uh, what do you call the it? hydrant? There, there you go. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, they're not supposed to park there, but they park right in front of the hydrant. And then if they don't park there, then they park right in front of the house, and sometimes it's right next to the driveway. I would not be letting teenagers park anywhere near my house. Unless they were my own teenagers, and even then, I, I think I might have trouble with it. First world problems. Mm-hmm. Well, one man who lives in Dusseldorf, Germany, the annoyance was apparently enough that he devised a plan to deal with it. Not with cones, not with paint, not with frustrated looks at the neighbor kids. But instead, he bought two smart cars, and he parked them as bookends on each side of his driveway, assuring plenty of real estate for him to navigate in and out of his driveway. <laughs> yeah, he bought two cars to use as space blockers. Brilliant. Oh, my God. That's disgusting. <laughs> That's the, what? Build a garage. Well, he does. He just wants people to stop parking right next to his driveway. So neighbors at some point caught on to what, uh, what was going on. They, they noticed that the cars never moved. They say they have been parked, these cars, in the same spot for at least three years. Someone said that lush weeds now have taken root on one of the car's tires and in the adjacent gutter. <laughs> this guy's got too much money. Yes. Too much money. Just to have it parked, these two cars, right there on the either side of his driveway so nobody else can park there. Now, local traffic authorities there in Dusseldorf say it's perfectly legal to keep them there so as long so long as they can be moved if necessary. So maybe he starts them once every six months. Right. Drives forward, drives backwards, puts it in park, calls it a day. Rich people problem. I mean, two smart cars is like the name of a bad art museum exhibition. And yet here it is blocking <laughs> this man's is. driveway. It's yeah, exactly. So there you go. <sighs> people. Are you a superstitious guy? Uh, I'm a little stitious. A little bit. Like what? Uh, I can't think of anything in particular, uh, to be honest with you. There's no, like, four-leaf clover in my back pocket or anything. My only real superstition is not walking under a ladder. I just won't do it. I don't know why. I don't know why I got it. I just, I just don't like it. I mean, how often is walking under a ladder, like, the best route to go anywhere? Usually not, but sometimes I do have ladders in the garage because I, I have all my bikes and all that uh, other accoutrement stuff uh-huh. stored up on the wall on the top of the thing. And so oh, you have to use a ladder, and if I'm coming down, and if I have to go under, and uh, uh, you know, I see what you're saying. That sort of thing. I, it just that that for some reason that one bugs me. Um, but I do like tossing coins into a fountain. I do like that. Not really that superstitious, but you know you throw the wish. But I do say that you can't take a coin that's been thrown in the fountain because then you're stealing somebody else's wish. Yes, I I would agree with that. Right. So. Whatever makes you follow all these mythical superstitions, you, I mean the podcast listener, you, they, they're actually a part of our driving culture. There's a company called NetQuote. 
they compare insurance companies for you online. They do the auto, the home, the life. They have it all. Like like an insurance broker working with many companies, they conducted a survey of about a thousand drivers to find out about their driving superstitions. And according to the data, performing some type of superstitious action while driving is more common than you might imagine. While women were slightly more inclined to observe some kind of ritual behind the wheel, a majority of men did so as well. Men are more likely to possess a lucky charm of some kind, while women seemingly prefer religious symbols. What? I mean, does that just mean they have, like, a little statue on the dashboard? Is that enough to count here? Is some like, a lucky item? Sure. That's weird. That's, I don't I, care. If I, it, I don't believe any of this. Stuff. I don't care if it rains or freezes. So long as I got my plastic Jesus riding on the dashboard of my car. Yes. Statue of Liberty, I prefer, as a proud American, but Jesus works as well. <laughs> the top two habits for men and women alike, though, were holding one's breath while driving through a tunnel and lifting your feet when passing over a bridge or a railroad. You ever do that? No. I've never but then when I was a kid, we lifted our feet over the railroads. Okay. Or you hold your breath when you're going uh, past a cemetery. That feels very quaint. That feels very 1960s. Like, so I have here the findings, Joseph, and the questions from this net quote survey of superstitious behavior. 1,000 driver surveyed. Top five answers on the board. Here's your question. Wait, wait, wait. This is not family feud. All right. Anyway, question number one. Do you hold your breath through a tunnel? 30% of women say yes. 35% of men say yes as well. One third say yes. I cannot believe that. Oh, I, I believe that. Wow. Okay. I, I think mostly uh, honking a horn in the tunnel, I think, is my top answer there. Uh, do you hold your feet up going over a railroad or going over a bridge? 28% of women, yes. 36% of men say yes. I did that when I was a kid, and then I grew up. <laughs> Do you have a religious emblem or rosary or symbol in the car? 27% of women do, as do 20% of men. Do you have anything like that? A religious symbol? Rosary, symbol, no. emblem? No. No. Do you hold your breath driving past a cemetery? About 25% of men and women do. That's Why? Why do we do that? It's just a, it's just a stupid thing you do when you're kids. When you're a kid, you see it and you hold your breath just because you're you're dumb, and then you are pretty much turning it into a game because then you're seeing how long you can hold your breath compared to your brothers or sisters in the car. So this is like the same 25% of people that won't step on a crack in the sidewalk either. Because you're going to break your mama's back. Oh, that's awful. Do you have a lucky charm like a coin or rabbit's foot? 23% of women do while almost 30% of men do. I do not. Actually, I have a – when I'm playing golf, I have my – peso that i use as a ball marker okay. to remind me of free golf because my father-in-law and i we, we, we were taking this family trip down to mexico one time and as part of the resort they promised free golf well we get over to the free golf and it cost us 70 bucks for the cart, cart rental and we also had to have some guy riding on the cart with us so he was like a caddy who didn't carry the clubs. He just actually rode on the back. He would hold on to the back of the cart as we're driving the cart and then hand us a club and use our towels to watch off the was Is so that weird. real? It, yes, it was real. So wow. the free golf, and then we had to tip the guy. The free golf was about 70 bucks. Not worth it. No, it wasn't. I don't, I'm, you're paying $70 to hang out with some guy? Funny, funny enough. 
so one of the occasionally I get I get a hold of a of a good driver. So there was this one uh, these people out in the course, and they're in the middle of fairway. I don't know, two hundred and whatever yards away. And so I'm thinking, oh, they're plenty far enough. And so I tee it up, and I hit, I smacked it. It was a perfect straight on Tiger Woods, just pow, and it landed. I don't know, five or six feet away from these people, and they were, you know, giving me the yeah. Why did you do that? Exactly, crazy person. Like, <laughs> and that's why I have the peso golf uh, ball marker to remind me of my free golf experience. Mm. All right. Interestingly enough, about the uh, Lucky Charms, not the cereal. These these things people hold on to. They seem to bring little good fortune in dealing with the law. In fact, those who used a charm were ticketed with uh, much greater frequency than those who didn't have a lucky charm. Maybe they're thinking the lucky charm is going to keep them from uh, being caught when, in fact, they're just law-breaking citizens and they get caught. Right, or maybe it's just law-breaking people who think that a a token will bring them good luck. Because drivers with money or coins were the most ticket-prone, followed by those with other miscellaneous lucky items— while people with religious icons and rabbit's feet, they fared slightly better. They, too, received citations with greater frequency than those who went charm-free. Interesting. So do you tap the roof uh, or the sun visor when you go through a yellow light? Yes or no? I knew a girl who did once upon a time. I thought it was weird then. I think it's weird now. 14% of women do. 17% of men do. I remember having a friend of mine that did that all the time. I did it for about a month, and then I stopped because I grew up. Um, it was about the same percentage there for people praying past a yellow light. Interesting. Yeah. So here's one I've never heard of. Do you throw change under the seat when you have a new car? This is great. That is an excellent tradition to throw change under the seat of your new I've car. I've never heard of this. Make it feel lived in. Really? I, I. It's the first I'm hearing of it, too, but I understand why these people do it. I guess many others haven't heard it as well because only 6% of both men and women do this. I've never, you know, maybe later on you go, oh, look, I, I found a quarter. Okay. Uh, and this one seems really, really dumb. Do you intentionally scratch a new car or truck? One half of 1% of women say yes, they do that. So so if you look at this this survey, a 1,000 people surveyed with, with the one half of 1%, it would be about four or five women that said yes, they scratch their new car or truck as a superstition. I respect it. Even more alarming, 30 men said yes, they do that as well. Aren't you supposed to like break a champagne bottle over a new boat? Yes. To christen it? So why not do the same thing with a car? With a champagne bottle? Yeah. As if driving didn't <laughs> include enough dangers already, some specific driving horror stories have loomed large in the American consciousness. Women are more likely to give credence to these fears like when my wife says our daughters are going to be taken taken at any moment, We're, we could be walking anywhere in the mall, and she's and she's looking around, thinking that there's going to be somebody that's going to do a human trafficking of my child and just swoop them away. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but the moment you drop your guard is the moment you're vulnerable. But I didn't know there was a black market of <laughs> stolen. I and mean, she was really into this whole thing about black market people being stolen and traded over at the Park Meadows Mall. That's insane. Yeah. Okay. For uh, you called my wife insane. No, I did. Uh, <laughs> now, for example, almost half of the women asked said that they're scared of fake cops pulling them over. About thirty-five percent of men are are concerned about that. I'm not concerned about that. Oh, I think it can happen. I would welcome it. I think it can happen too. Uh, about how about thieves throwing eggs at your car 
to get you out of it so then they can steal it. About 30% of women said yes, they worry about that. 11% of men said yes. That's a really specific question. Isn't it, though? Why not just thieves throwing anything at your car? Had to be eggs? Well, yes. It had to be eggs. How about someone sneaking into your garage when you're pulling in that you don't see them just waiting by the side of your garage and then and then shuffling on in when you're pulling in? A quarter of the women said yes. 16% of the men said yes. I say no. That's ridiculous. I'll bet you, I, I would bet you if you were pulling into your garage, a thief could sneak past you. Doubt it. <laughs> Doubt it. Go ahead and try. I think we should set this up, man. Let's get a professional cat burglar and let's see what happens. All right. I'm surprised by this one. Are you scared someone may be hiding in your back seat? Only 22% of women said yes. And I think that's actually low. I think a lot more women worry about that. Because according to you know Miss Hidalgo, the morning meteorologist, there's almost a certain likelihood of someone hiding out in her back seat every time she gets in the car. And there are enough horror movies out there to convince me of anything at this point. There were some odd questions on the list, like, are you worried about getting caught up in a gang initiation of killing the driver who flashes the headlights? Still, 15% of women and 10% of men said yes. That's stunning. Most likely in California or New York, I suppose. I suppose. I mean, there's gangs everywhere, though. So I, I, I'm not... There's gangs in Bismarck? There are reasons to be afraid of gangs for the people who want to be afraid of gangs in any city. Are you concerned about having a coin jammed into the car handle so thieves can get in later? 7% of men and women say yes. I've never heard of this. The only time I've heard of something like this in our dorm, uh-huh. the dorm room when, door, when you would push it from the outside, you could put some coins and stack them up, some pennies usually, that you get it so tight that the people inside, they don't have enough hand strength to turn the door handle okay. and open the door. So it basically locks them in their dorm room. <laughs> That's terrible. Yes, it's, it's I, great fun. I, I just lived in an apartment for two years where if you had a credit card, you could get inside. I mean, no matter on both locks. It was one of the weakest security systems I've ever been a part of. How about being worried someone is going to put a used or dirty needle under the gas pump handle? I've never heard of this in my life, ever. Well, apparently there were two women in this survey who said yes. They're actually concerned about that. Thankfully, no man said yes, but two women are concerned that a dirty needle is going to be at the gas pump handle. I mean, I've heard of crazier things, and there are needles everywhere, and they're not easy to see. While many frightening situations arise on the road, simply getting to your car can also be a daunting experience, and people can feel threatened, such as, let's say you're walking at night in a poorly lit parking lot. The vast majority of people, both men and women, took some precaution when doing this. Women were far more likely to take more active precautions than men. So the question was, do you have your keys ready to go to unlock your car when you're walking through a dark parking lot to your car? 93% of women said yes. 81% of men said yes. Now, I think the root of the answer for women is a safety reason. Get in the car fast while while the uh, while before the whatever whoever is going to get you is going to get you. But while for the guys, I, I think it's more of a just uh, rooted in getting prepared to get in as you go. That's why they get their keys out. That's what I would do. Have my key ready to go because I want to unlock the door and be cool and then get in and off we off we go. I I mean just walking around after dark in this city specifically. It's, 
it's good to have something in your hands ready to go in case somebody comes at you, you know, whether that's keys or uh, a, a big metal water bottle or anything, like something there so that you can make some sort of movement and get away. Yeah, and, well, and I think from your answer there, I, I think you can tell from the next question uh, how people feel about being safe in these parking lots. The question was, do you scan the parking lot area as you're walking to your car? 93% of women say yes, 82% of men say yes. So obviously the women are still more concerned about being attacked, and, and obviously they're, they're more of an easy target. Right. Well, I mean, like, what are the 18% of men who don't survey the parking lot doing? Are they just, like, blindly walking to their car with their nose in their phone and Probably. not looking up a single time? Or hammered. Hammered. There's the real answer. <laughs> Women also will either talk on the phone or have a weapon, like pepper spray, ready more than men. But I thought this part was interesting. 21% of women will ask for an escort to their car, while only 2% of men will have an escort to their car. That seems like a really interesting thing to ask for. I've never, I've never heard of that. I've had women ask uh, to escort them to their car. I've heard of that. But, like, yeah, yeah, okay. but having that a dude sense. say, hey, man, Joseph, can you walk me to my car? Right. Let's walk outside together. Can you? Dude. Dude, I need, I need you Bro. to go to the bathroom with me, and uh, then you walk me out to my car. Uh, 9% of women and 5% of men will run to their car, and it's about the same percentages when asked if they have a mobile safety app ready to go or a text message ready to go when walking through a parking lot. You know, I the, the, the TV station here, for all, I don't know if they, they offered it to you or they offered it for the uh, on-air people. This app, I don't, I, I don't remember what it's called. But it's like uh, a safety app where... I could actually have it going and have, have, have my finger ready to, to push a button mm -hmm. that would then, I think it does a warning thing on the phone, and then it sends a call to police or whatever, gives them my GPS and wow, uh, you know all that kind of stuff. So it, it's, a, it's supposed to be a safety thing. I mean, there's been a lot of problems with, with uh, people in, in the media getting you know shot and attacked and, right. that, and the whatnot. Very so good. I think that's the station was, was in the company. Scripts was just being safe, I guess, with that whole thing. And I appreciate that. It also reminds me of a life alert bracelet or something. Very similar. <laughs> sure. I've fallen and I can't get up and get to my car. I've fallen and I can't get up. Yes. So there you have it. That is all the superstitions that we people have that we get freaked out about. We are a bunch of freaked out humans, basically. I'm glad that none of these were beliefs were held by more than 50% of the population. Gives me hope that there's not some big <laughs> lie that we're all buying into. Yeah, there you go. Well, anyway. Well, that's about it. That's about the size of it, Pops. <laughs> Name the movie. <laughs> you don't Give me clue. Absent-minded professor. Okay. All right, good. All right, that's... Uh, <laughs> we'll do that. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. Great movie. <laughs> Look it up. It's a great old movie with Flubber. Uh, that, <laughs> do it. If you want to get a hold of us, you can always reach out to us on Twitter or email or uh, we have phone numbers. I don't know. At Denver 7, at Denver 7 Traffic is my deal. I am at Joseph Denver 7 on Twitter. There you go. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for being here. And until next time, I'm Jason Liber, the traffic guy. I'm free golf enthusiast, Joseph Peters. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring. <laughs>